Welcome to the Fantasy End Podcast, where we share our love for all things fantasy and discuss the broader speculative fiction industry. Welcome to the Fantasy End. Welcome to the Fantasy Inn Podcast. Uh, today's episode is about comfort reads. I'm Sarah and with me, Travis. Hey. Genia. Hi. And Tam. Hello. So before we start talking about the topic, as usual, let's have a chat about what we're all reading right now. Uh, me first. Okay. Um, me first. So, uh, right now, reading Bounce of Brass by Emily Skrutsky, which is a space opera uh, romance, and it's pretty amazing. And I'm audiobooking The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.G. Klan, which is an urban fantasy romance adventure-y thing. <laughs> it's... Uh, it fits well with the theme of today's episode because it's very comfy read. I am currently working my way through the audiobook for The Cloud Roads by Martha Wells. I've kind of been on a bender of her stuff recently. I just finished all of the Murderbot novellas, and so now I'm working my way through the books of the Raxara. Uh, it's really interesting. There's no human characters, as far as I can tell, about a shapeshifter who kind of wandering around from like other societies and always gets thrown out because he's revealed to be a shapeshifter and now he's finally found his own people. I'm reading Dragon Age to Winter Nights, which is a collection of short stories by various authors, but it's edited by Patrick Weeks and it's all set in the Dragon Age world, Dragon Age being a video game. And it's actually an arc which I was supposed to finish reading like a week or two ago, but I'm just having a lot of difficulty with it at the moment. Not not because it's bad, I'm enjoying it, but just because it's a collection of short stories and my attention span is anyway kind of shot because of Corona and the fact that every five minutes I have to get into a new cast of characters and a new setting slightly is just making it really hard for me to concentrate. But it's actually um, it's actually a lot of fun. And if you do like the Dragon Age books, uh, Dragon Age games, then I really do recommend it. Um, but you should have played all three of them, I think, because there's kind of spoilers for more or less spoilers for all of them. And it doesn't really make sense if you haven't played the games. But if you are a fan, then yeah, you should check it out. And I am currently reading the Lycanius trilogy by James Islington. Uh, yeah, it's very good. Um, it's epic fantasy um, with a capital E, really. And um, it's got some real cool things in it because the big bad is basically um, predestination, which is really cool and really different from a lot of epic fantasies that are like, oh, yeah, you know, we're doing this thing and it's all predestined. And this time it's like, no, we're fighting against predestination. And it's really cool. Lots of magic, some time travel. I've really enjoyed it so far. Yeah, that sounds fun. Um, oh, we wanted to give a shout out about, uh, an award we got, uh, for this podcast. Um, Travis, you received the Stabby Award for the Fantasy In Podcast. 
Yeah, it just arrived the other day, and uh, I've been taking pictures of it with my cat. So that's been a lot of fun. <laughs> did you put it on Instagram? I did. It is on Instagram. <laughs> on our Instagram? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, put it on our Instagram. <laughs> we have an Instagram that I update once every three months. <laughs> Check it out. The Fantasy Inn at Instagram, I guess. <laughs> So thank you for the award. Uh, thank you so much for everyone who voted us, for us um, and for this podcast. Uh, so I guess we can start the uh, the topic of today with my plan because <laughs> I'm fearless leader today. <laughs> okay, so uh, the topic of today is comfort reads. And before we can give any kind of recommendations, uh, first, what exactly makes a read a comfort read, in your opinion? Answer for me, like it's something that makes me feel good if I'm not feeling good and it's comforting in bad times and it's happy. And for me, I guess what I really look for is a book that's easy to get sucked into. It's not really complicated prose. It's not really dense. It's kind of either light and fluffy or fast paced or just like a really engaging character right at the start. Uh, so I know these days my attention span is not that awesome. Uh, so it's really great if I can get sucked into a book quickly. I think I um, reread quite often when I want to read something comforting and that's comfort reads for me. So like rereading Terry Pratchett or something. But um, with new books, I don't necessarily... I mean, I like it when it's light and fluffy, but I don't necessarily read that to be comforted I go more back to my to the old things which I know I love for me it's uh, a bit like Travis said like something with low complexity like, um, if if I get sucked in from the start it's comfort comforting because I don't get to think a lot so less complexity and something low stakes like slice of life because I don't get to like um be confronted with a new world with um well with new concept high concepts that i need to focus on so that that helps a lot and like genia i like to reread a lot but not fantasy i reread a lot of romance um so i think going back to characters you know well uh, helps with um like the feel-good aspect of comfort reads, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some some of us don't. I mean, somebody said that they don't read, read at all or or something. Travis, was it was it you? Yeah, so I, I think I've reread maybe five books in my life, and two of those were for school. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't really count having to study The Great Gatsby every year of English uh, to really be rereading. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, I, I don't know. I feel like there's so many new books and so many books that I haven't read that it's hard for me to pick up something that I've already read. I, I have actually reread a couple books in the last year and they were both Claire North books. Um, so we'll see. Maybe maybe I'll just reread all of her books. Yeah, her books are <clears throat> cozy and fluffy, right? <laughs> <laughs> they are for me. <laughs> <laughs> So we talked about familiarity. Um, what about fan fiction? Does it count as comfort read? 
Let's just make this podcast about me and Sarah and what we're eating right now. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mention what I was reading on archive of our own. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think that I think the really great thing about um fanfic, especially on AO3, is that uh you know exactly what you're going to get because it's all tagged. So if it comforts you to read something where people are just doing slice of life, day-to-day stuff, then you know that's what you're going to get if you put in that tag. And I think that is definitely something comforting, that you kind of know the general idea of where the plot will be going or where the story will be going, um, even if you don't know the particulars, of course. Yeah, so you don't take any risk going into a story. You you can also exclude some tropes and some tags. For example, if you cannot read about violence, you don't feel like reading about violence. If the story is properly tagged, you can like remove the all the the fanfics that have uh, the violence tag, which I found really good. And more and more uh, like published works uh, do the tags thing now yeah which I, I find very good because it's like knowing if you're allergic to ingredients having all the ingredients uh like mentioned is easier to pick food that metaphor was going where <laughs> but i think we're the only people um who are online right now who read Fan fiction, so yeah. <laughs> Travis and Tom are being like, mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that retellings of fairy tales of myths uh, have the same comforting power uh, as like rereading a story you know well? No, because with a retelling, I'm always like. What did they change? Am I going to like what they changed? Am I going to be angry at what they changed? Am I going to accept this? I have like, uh, I really love retellings, but I have a very high standard for them. <laughs> so no, I don't think it's the same. Um, I think I think what I like about retellings is something new that they put in. Whereas with rereading, it's really just, you know, you remember maybe even some phrases and so on that you really loved and you get to reread that bit again. So I think it's a different, um, I like both, but for different reasons. Meanwhile, I just don't (laughs) like retellings. So (laughs) Maybe you don't like them because you don't like rereading. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, no. Uh, It's the whole atmospheric thing that I don't like. (gasps) Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, I, I should rephrase. I would be happy with the atmosphere if they also had compelling characters, but <gasps> I don't find that frequently. Very gasp. How dare you? How dare you, sir? <laughs> it's possible that we haven't been reading the same retelling, Sarah. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with Travis. I'm not a huge fan of retelling either. Why is that, Tam? Um... Because if I'm going to read something, I'd rather just read something new that I haven't read before. Which is why I also don't read read things much. Retellings are new. No, they're not. They're telling the old yeah, story. Yeah, but retellings can be completely new. Yeah, <laughs> but very differently. For example, 
with Briarly, uh, which I will uh, talk about in every episode uh, I participate to. Uh, it's a Beauty and the Beast retelling, but it's completely different. It's set in uh, England during the Second World War. Uh, it's between the, the romance between the, the Beast and the Belle's father. Uh, so you don't have the same, like you have the the the, the structure of the story, the curse, uh, the romance breaking the curse, but everything inside the structure is different. So it's not the same. Oh, speaking of retellings, by the way, Sarah, I just got one of uh, T. Kingfisher's uh, books called The Raven and the Reindeer, which is like uh, supposed to be a retelling of... Um, uh, the one that Frozen is based on, um, Kai and Gerda, the the Snow Queen, yeah, the Snow Queen. The Snow um, Queen, yeah. But this one has also like a lesbian romance in it, I think. And so, really, I'm, apparently, I don't know. Amazon told me that, so I'm excited to read it. I think um, it's the only, it's among the uh, the two or three T Kingfisher that I haven't read yet. Yeah. She's good. So that's the raven and the reindeer. Yeah. I'm hoping it's really good. Uh, Okay. So rereads, fan fictions, retellings. How about comforting tropes? I mean, found family has to be a big one, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. Some recommendations, maybe? Becky Chambers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) that's true for me i think that the bright sessions by lauren shippen is a really good example of found family i just got a a bunch of different characters uh all with their own issues kind of just find a new family together so it's like the definition of found family for me sarah if you can have briarly i can have the bright sessions (laughs) I wasn't going to say anything. Well, I did say something, but like, <laughs> go, Travis. Uh, I was going to talk about the infinite noise, but not for found family trope, uh, more for the coming of age one. So we, we're all whipped by Lauren Shippen, that's for sure. Um, for found family uh, as a trope, I also like Strange Practice and its sequels by Vivian Shaw. Uh, which is an urban fantasy book set in London. And um, it's about a doctor who cures and takes care of magical creatures. And uh, she has close friends and who are like vampires and demons and stuff like that. And they're all like, they feel like a family. And that's one of the main, uh, main attractions of the book can say that like why it's so good shenya do you have an example of um i guess i would say (laughs) the manga one piece um (laughs) which has been going on forever so if you really need something to carry you through for a long time then it's like I think it's almost a thousand chapters by now and it's all about these pirates who hang out and they're like a found family together because they all like take care of each other and it's a whole big thing that it's just like friendship friendship is the overall theme 
Um, so that's that's one piece uh, written by Oda. And I think that's what I always think of first when I think of found family. Okay, there's also the coming of age trope. Do you guys feel like this is something you're looking for as comfort? I don't know if I look for it specifically as comfort, but I think a lot of kind of what I broke my teeth on in fantasy was coming of age epic fantasy. So like it gives me this sense of nostalgia whenever I see that in a book. And I think that can be comforting. Yeah. I like coming of age stories, but I wouldn't really call them a trope that I look for necessarily. Like I enjoy it, but it's not my first point of call for something that I'm looking for when I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to comfort me. Yeah, same. Um, I don't think that I read that much of it um, at the moment. I have like, when I read a book and I am trying to understand why I liked it and trying to analyze it so I can like maybe write a review someday. uh, (laughs) uh, Often I realize that what was good about it, what was comforting about it, what was positive about it was the coming of age part. Uh, for example, I was talking about Lauren Shippen's um, The Infinite Noise, which is a spin-off uh, of the uh, Bright Sessions mentioned by Travis earlier. Also in Other Lands uh, by Sarah Brennan, uh, which I talk a lot about and it's a YA uh, fantasy about a young boy. We follow him growing up from age 13 to age 17. So the coming of age part of it is not at all subtle. Uh, how he grows up, how he matures. And it's it's fascinating to follow. And it's also a bit comforting for me because some of the struggles, well, they aren't relatable at all because he's fighting like centaurs or whatever. And others being awkward, being a teenager, not sure of your place in the world are really relatable, like gives that sort of nostalgia and uh, it's relatable and comforting in a way. I don't know what you're doing on your weekends that fighting centaurs isn't relatable, Sarah. (laughs) Okay, Lord boy, we know you're LARPing. (laughs) But do you fight centaurs? During your quest? No, I don't think I've come across a central. Mostly because that'd be real damn hard to dress up as. Yeah, I'm just imagining like two or three people like under a single horse costume running around <laughs> trying to fight. No, you just attach it on the back like a like a horse thing to one person. Oh, like an inflatable thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking made of like crochet or whatever, but yeah. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> um okay so how what about slice of life yeah yeah sure um i think the most um comforting read ever is the goblin emperor by um catherine addison i think this is like the most most um comfort read book ever and uh, I think that's partially because one, it's more or less slice of life, even though it's about a guy who becomes emperor. It's more about his like day to day getting better. I guess it has some coming of age part to it. And then it has a bit of found family in it because he makes new friends. 
um, who become who he becomes close to. And but it's a lot of it is just because it's kind of his day to day stuff. I mean, there's politics in it, but it's not super complicated politics in a way. It's more just him living. So yeah, I think I think there's definitely something in in, in reading the a slice of life book that is kind of comforting. I suppose it depends on the type of slice of life for me. Like there's a lot of different slice of life that you can get. And so long as it's actually got good characters in it, I will probably find it a bit of a comfort read. But if it's slice of life and like the characters are really poorly written, which I have read before, but I can't remember what it was. It just doesn't hold your interest. And for me, I guess, slice of life, whether I would call them like good characters or not, it's kind of hard for me to separate that from getting inside their head. So like if I'm kind of getting everything described, like there's a camera floating over their shoulder doing mundane stuff, I'm not going to be that interested. But if I can get inside their head, then it's probably going to hook me a little harder. Yeah, I think Slice of Life depends a lot on how it's presented. If we're uh, interested by the characters and what they're doing, otherwise it's just boring. <laughs> Don't tell Para I said that. <laughs> <laughs> For context, Para is a friend and she's a fan of Slice of Life. Every Slice of Life possible. <laughs> Do any of you guys ever read something that's actually really like like dark as a comfort read <laughs> i mean something like this topic or or something apocalyptic or whatever well i guess for me it's kind of a things may be shit in the real world but like it could always be worse yeah <laughs> yeah exactly i was reading um i finally read uh satan in gore by isaac bashevis senior which is set in 17th century Ukraine, and it's about um, this small Jewish village, which um, or city that had been um, destroyed by a pogrom a couple of years ago, um, and now the people are trying to rebuild. But also, everybody's kind of going nuts because I guess you know it was this huge trauma, and um, they are all um, kind of starting to believe in all this like mystical stuff that you know the Messiah will be back in two days and the world will end or whatever. I mean, not two days, but like in a month or something. And so everybody's kind of going nuts and it's kind of dark and it's really sad actually and quite depressing, but I was reading it and I was thinking like, well, you know, we have our problems, but at least we aren't, you know, Jewish people in Ukraine in the 17th century. I mean, that must've really sucked. So, you know, it was kind of comforting. Yeah, I see what you mean. I, I can't do it. I, if I'm... If the uh, the context in real life is dark, I need to offset that with something super fluffy. <laughs> so, because I can't really um, distance myself enough to say, oh, okay, compared to this shit that people are going through in the book, my life is kind of cool. I just, I'm sucked into the story in a way that's, uh, that's basically... Uh, Oh, everything is dark. Everything has always been dark. This is mm. hell. This is depressing. No. Yeah. But but I understand the need to, um, I don't know, uh, explore darker themes while you are in a bad spot, uh, so you can like 
it's I think it's a way of coping like another. Yeah, like a kind of, I don't know, we're all in this together and bad things have happened before and bad things will happen, but it isn't always like that, I guess. I don't know. I started watching Chernobyl. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> in, yeah, I stopped because that, that was the idea behind it. Like it, people went through this whole crisis and... Well, people have died and was awful, but here we are um, 30 years later and 30, 40, uh, I'm not sure. Like 30, 30, years, two or so. 30 odd. Yeah. yeah. Um, and here we are and it's a page in the history books and humanity as a whole like moved on a bit, even if it sounds horrible, but like something that bad happened and then we managed to move on. But um, the way, like the 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 atmosphere, the the characters suffering, I couldn't do it. I I, I couldn't take comfort with the fact that people managed to um, go through this and like end up for the most part. Like I don't know, I don't know. It was awful. I stopped watching it because I couldn't do it. Man, this episode makes it seem like Ukraine just has a really sad past the whole time. Good things also <laughs> happened in Ukraine. We don't only have pogroms and and what's it called and and uh, our, whatever nuclear explode no nuclear things exploding. <laughs> you also have like uh, fields of stuff, um, sunflowers. <laughs> That's true. We do. <laughs> Sunflower, blue sky, <laughs> Ukrainian flag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so on the other, like we talked about dark stuff, but on the other uh, side of uh, the coin, humor. Is humor considered as comforting and why and how and what book are you thinking of when I say comedy fantasy? Well, personally, I generally find humor is a good way of picking myself back up um, just because, you know, it's humorous and it's very difficult to be sad while laughing. I mean, I mean, it's, it's doable, but it, the act of laughing at something <laughs> kind of gives you that, um, I don't know what the hormonal chemical brush is, um, but it actively makes you feel better. And so I do find humor to be very comforting. Um, and like when you say humor, what comes to mind is Discworld, obviously. Um, and Liam Perrin's books, Sir Thomas the Hesitant and the Table of the Less Valued Knights. Um, they're the ones that come to mind first. I'm sure there are others, but that is what I think of straight away. So personally, I'm um, super into Rachel Aaron's Heartstriker series. Uh, I think that's what I kind of think of as a comforting read, I guess, because they are fun and there's a lot of action in it, but there's also a lot of um, funny moments in it. And that's just, it's just really, really lighthearted and, and, and fun to read. Um, for Discworld, I guess it would all be rereads for me. So I think it would be comforting in a different way, um, not because it's funny, but because, I mean, of course, because of that too, but mainly because I'm just remembering my childhood curled up with 
the books and so on. Um, but Rachel Aaron is would be the one that I reread just for the hilariousness and and funness of it all. Yeah, and for me, I guess not that there's a huge difference. I would say maybe in audio, the humor is what really works for me. Yeah, just because so much of humor for me at least involves timing. And it's kind of hard for me to get that when I'm reading sporadically and jumping around on a page. Uh, like I might see the next line coming up from the corner of my eye and it kind of makes the joke not land quite as well. And I also think that there's a lot of humor that's not in comedic fantasies. Like I don't think Heart Strikers I would really call like a comedic fantasy story. But yeah, I mean, humor humor always makes things better in my opinion. Even if it's bleak humor like in the Black Company by Glenn Cook or uh, anything Joe Abercrombie writes. Yeah, I think it helps a lot because it's um, well, it's a way to just lighten a bit the mood of the story. If it's like a bleak, um, a bleak story like Joe Abercrombie or um, like Scott Lynch too, his stories are quite bleak, but we only remember. Uh, like the the jokes said in the gentleman bastards, whereas awful things happen, especially in the first book, and we're like, oh my god, it's so funny. But good lord, those books are a fucking roller coaster. Yeah, they are. But a funny one, an awful, bleak, funny roller coaster. <laughs> um. Well. Um. I will recommend again in other lands because uh, it's really, really funny. Like it's generally laugh out loud funny. Uh, and yeah, I second Discworld because, uh, well, it's the most famous and most obvious choice when we talk about comedy fantasy. Um, what else? Uh, Mackenzie Lee books, uh, The Gentleman Guys to Vice and Virtue and its sequel. Ladies oh, yeah, guys, really petticoats and piracy, I think. Yeah, uh, they're fun. They're adventurous and fun and pure fluff. So they can be considered as comfort reads too. There's going to be a third one, right? About the little brother. Yes. About the little brother, and it's supposed to be out um, next fall. But we don't know how book releases are going to be from now on. That's true. A lot of books have been postponed for them at the moment. Yeah. For the time being. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it releases relatively soon, though, because those series, uh, that series is really fun. Yeah, it is. Any other topic you guys want to talk about? And should we just give some more recommendations, maybe? Sure. Just in general, if you had like one or two books that were your ultimate things to recommend to read during this time, because I mean, we know that we're doing this podcast because it's Corona time. So, <laughs> you know, we're yeah. trying to maybe make it more general. But at the end of the day, it's because it's a really stressful situation for most of the world. I was going to make a joke, like, uh, by the time it's up, the whole crisis will be over and we'll, and the thing okay. will be relevant. <laughs> but I don't think so. I think we're honest. <laughs> That's depressing. We're, we're like, we don't, we're not seeing the end of it. 
Oh, I thought we were going to make Travis just uh, edit it really quickly so it's like really relevant. Oh no, it's going to stay relevant for a while. <laughs> Jesus. Yay, podcast, fun! <laughs> you can edit out this, Travis, because it's depressing. He never edits out anything. The weirder we get, the less he edits Rude. out. Rude. <laughs> Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's the thing is you have no idea what I cut out. Yeah, I mean, I purposely avoid listening to them because I hate the sound of my voice. And so I'm like, I have no idea what actually goes into these. <laughs> oh, good. So, so you, you, you haven't hit that one episode, so that's good. Jeez. <laughs> Which one oh, no. <laughs> what did I do? Oh, I, I, I kind of re-listen to them while, I don't know, while doing something else usually. And I always laugh because half the books that I mention, I don't finish. And I just use this episode to remember, oh yeah, I abandoned that book and that book I also didn't finish. That book I meant to finish. That book I didn't want to finish. It's all just like a cemetery of my not finished <laughs> books. <laughs> oh. I still have questions. What did I so do? I I'm gonna have to listen to this now. <laughs> um, he's he's playing with your brain right now. He's playing with your mind. <laughs> That's an evil after. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're such a Slytherin, Trav. I am. I am. No, he's a hardworking Hufflepuff who is uh, doing a, putting a lot of effort into this. Actually, <laughs> way more yeah, than the rest of us. Yeah, he does. And we're very grateful. Uh, Ish. Except for the whole not editing out stuff that need to be edited out. No, I'm just going to edit this whole conversation so it sounds like you guys are praising me. Oh, <laughs> but we are praising you. We are? What? Not you, Dan, but we, the rest of us are because um, it's very hardworking and we're grateful. And uh, we won't make him mad because he might have some audio recording that are <laughs> maybe compromising for some people. <laughs> I don't have a separate file for each of you. No. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, best, best two or three or one comfort treat. Go. For any reason. Um, besides those we mentioned. Yes, something that you haven't mentioned already, but that you'd still okay. like to. Um, okay, uh, Snow Spelled by Stephanie Burgess, uh, which is a series of novellas uh, set in a fake re Regency England uh, where magic exists. Uh, it's uh, romantic and fluffy and really, really sweet. Silver in the Wood by Emily Tesh, uh, which is a retelling of The Green Man's Myth. Uh, and again, romantic novella, very, very sweet. I feel like there is a theme in these things. Um, and I will talk about uh, The House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Klan, which is uh, something I'm still reading, but I'm like 90% in. So I'm pretty confident in recommending it. It's so good, guys. It's perfect for this time of uh, what's the polite word for depressing 
things. Um, Plague. This These Hard Times, it's the perfect book. Um, And TJ Klan also has a book uh, which was going to be released in May, but was pushed until July, which is called The The Extraordinaries, which is basically um, a YA superhero, fluffy, funny book. And it's so perfect. Like TJ Klan wrote the books of 2020 like uh 100% recommend uh okay so um looking through my goodreads right now so number one um i would recommend emily saint mandel's uh station 11 which really yeah i don't know i found it really like calming somehow so it's (laughs) actually set after an epidemic which took out most of humanity but it's about this traveling group of performers who survived after that. And they're just kind of going around and spreading creativity and, and, you know, and art and like their whole thing is that like survival is not enough. And I just found it really comforting to read that, you know, even in really bleak times, people still like, um, or still want, um, you know, these, these theater performances and they still want art in their life. And um, I think it's kind of fitting because right now a lot of theaters and so on are putting their stuff online for free. So it's kind of like, you know, even in dark times, people need art. Um, And also Emily St. Mandel has a new book out, but I haven't read it yet, but I hope that it's really good. Um, It's called The Glass Hotel, I think. Um, And then, except for that, I would also recommend uh, not a fantasy book. Uh, It's called A Paradise Built in Hell by Rebecca Solnit, which is about real life disasters. yeah, somehow these are all bleak. But anyway, um, it's it's about how people survive actual disasters like hurricanes and big fires and so on. And just the community that forms around it. And that, you know, actually a lot of people generally, like people generally actually pull together and help each other. And I found that also comforting to read that, you know, when you watch an, a disaster movie, then it's all like, oh, we're all going to die and the police is going to shoot us or whatever. The army will come in with guns. But in real life, of course, it's not like this. Mostly people are just not rioting or looting. Mostly people are really helping each other. Um, And I thought that was actually really comforting to read and to know. And again, it's something that I see in real life with everybody saying, I will buy groceries for my neighborly, elderly lady, whatever. So yeah, that was really good. Um, So again, that's A Paradise Built in Hell by Rebecca Solnit. And then a third book that I would recommend is The Empress of Salt and Fortune by Niveau. Um, It just came out. uh, It is a fantasy book, which is, and it's very like fairy tale-like. It's this fairy tale kind of novella uh, based on um, Asian folklore. I I think it must be Vietnamese folklore because uh, I think the author is um, of Vietnamese descent. Um, But I'm actually not sure. Shit, I should have looked this up. (laughs) Fuck. But it's really, really good. And there's a really sweet, uh, or not sweet, but there's some interesting, wait, shit, Travis, you should cut this part out <laughs> because I'm like, of course, is there, is there, a, is there a lesbian romance in this or was it, or is it, or is it more like a, like, oh, they kind of are into each other, but they're kind of not. Now I have to think about it. <laughs> wait, <laughs> let me redo that part. Okay. The third book that I recommend is The Empress of Salt and Fortune by Nivo, and it's uh, based on um, 
Asian folklore. And it is uh, just really, really sweet and interesting and has this really uh, large focus on atmosphere, which I guess Travis wouldn't like, but I really liked it. Um, and it <laughs> just really has this feeling of uh, just reading the fairy tale. So yeah, that one is really good. It just came out. Okay, that's it for me. <laughs> Um, mine would actually be Send on a Sentence by Josiah Bancroft, um, which if anyone has ever heard me talk about books, they've probably heard me talk about this one. <laughs> um, and I just really enjoy it um, just because it's so different and like it, it's very good escapism because you can't really compare it to real life because it's just so different is the only word I can think of here. Um, yeah. And I guess for me, uh, I'll mention one that I've already mentioned in this episode, uh, The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells, because one, they're novellas, so they're short and they hook you early on because they kind of have to. There's only a limited number of pages. Um, and just the character of Murderbot is phenomenal. Uh, I've never identified harder with like an introvert who wants to avoid people, but they also like go out and have adventures. So uh, that was just pure, wonderful escapism for me. Murderbot is the best. So wrapping up? Yeah. Who wants to do the wrap up? You. I think you got this. Oh, yay. You're going to cut this, aren't you? Nope. No, this is where I the music you. starts playing. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I hate I you. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember how to sing the music. I, I don't think it's do, 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 do. No. Uh, thank you for listening. You can visit us uh, on our website, thefantasyin.com, on Twitter, at thefantasyin. Uh, let us know what you think about the episode, and also if you have a recommendations for comfort reads um thank you and see you soon was it good did i do good Memphis? <laughs> <laughs>